Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. I'm so excited about today's episode because my dear friend and our girls' night favorite, Mariko Clark, is back on the show. I call her Mari, but we'll talk about that in the episode. So today we're talking about how to make a new city feel like home. Mari has made a few really big moves in the last handful of years, and so she knows all about this process and what goes into making a decision like this. She also knows how hard of a transition it can be. So today we're talking about how to make a new city truly feel like home. We're gonna be talking about everything from finding your nearest grocery store, which is hard, to how to stop feeling like the awkward middle schooler all over again, to how to make true lasting friendships in your new city and more. Guys, Mari is an absolute treasure. I am so happy for you to get to hear from her today. But before we dive in, I wanted to take a second to share with you one of my all-time favorite resources and that's therapy, like just as a whole. (laughs) The thing is that moving is so hard. It's a season where we could all use someone else in our corner, but when you've just moved to a new city, you're like, Steph, I can't even remember my own address, let alone find a therapist. So let me take something off of your moving to-do list today and share with you my favorite therapy resource that just so happens to be available online and no matter where you live. It's one of our amazing Girls' Night podcast sponsors, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a website where you can get matched up with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. This is truly the easiest and most affordable way to find a faith-based counselor. You've probably heard me talk about Faithful Counseling before, but just in case you haven't, I wanted to tell you four quick reasons why I love them so much. The first is it's easy to get started. All you have to do is go to their website, fill out a form about yourself, what you're going through, what you're looking for in a counselor, and within 24 hours, Faithful Counseling will connect you with a licensed, vetted, faith-based professional counselor. Second reason, it's easy to schedule. Once you're connected to a therapist, you can start communicating with them in less than 24 hours. You can log in to your account at any time and send a message to your therapist and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses back. You can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions and you can do it all virtually. No commute, no awkward waiting room time, less time away from work. You can even do your sessions in your PJs. The third reason is it's easy to find the right counselor for you. In order for counseling to be truly beneficial, you have to find a therapist you really connect with. And oftentimes we don't find the right person on our first try. So then we're stuck going through the whole process of breaking up with our counselor, which is super awkward, and then starting from scratch to find a new one. But with Faithful Counseling, if you don't love your counselor or if you find that you're looking for something different, you can switch by clicking a button. It's easy and it's free. The last reason I love them so much is because it's easier to fit into your budget. While I love traditional in-person counseling, it can cost more than $100 per session, which just makes it a total no-go for so many of us, especially as we're moving. Oh, what an expensive time. But Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive and they have financial aid available. And if you sign up through the special link that they gave me, you can get 10% off your first month. Friends, if therapy is something you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head on over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling. And that link will give you 10% off your first month. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling for all the info and you can get 10% off your first month of counseling there too. All right, friends, you ready? Let's jump into the episode with Mari. All right, friends, I am so, so happy about who we get to welcome back to the show today. I feel like, like, I I just don't even know how to introduce you because of how important you are to me and how important you've been to Girls' Night. So anyway, Mari, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I was actually thinking this morning as I was getting ready that girls, it truly feels like returning to like a girls' night that I like have my little life updates. And I feel like I've been like attending girls night for however many years it's been now. Like I was with you when you started it. I remember my first little introduction. I was like, I'm Mari. I think I was like, I have a little girl and I'm married and like I hang out with her and my career and my family have had so many changes and transitions since then. And I feel like every time I come on my little blurb about myself is, is way different. So I'm like coming back to the 
coming back to the girls to give you an update about my life. It just feels like that it's been this uh, witness to and companion for, you know, the past five or so years of things changing and growing, but that like, this is a constant and that feels really, very warm and cozy. I love that. There's like no other way I would want girls night to feel. And really you were with me like you were the first person I was like, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. I'm not totally sure if I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And you and I did like a sample podcast Mm -hmm. episode that was like two hours long and bad. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I think we did a couple. No, we didn't know anything. And we like trashed it. And you know what? I'm like, I don't know how to host a podcast. Yeah. And now you've got all this like this cool little interface that we're on. I feel like you've learned so much and grown so much. I remember we had during that first episode a little sticky note that just said, it's okay to be a beginner. Remember that? Yes. And it was taped to the microphone. Yeah. And now I you're not love... a beginner anymore. You're just a veteran. I mean, I'm still a beginner in like every <laughs> single way that matters in life. <laughs> Except, but yeah, no, I've, I've actually learned a couple things about podcasting. Yeah, ring goodness. light. I have ring light. We're we living up in the world, yeah. We are. <laughs> I have a good microphone set up only because you had one first. And I was like, how are you doing this? <laughs> Okay, so Mari, I I need to know for women who haven't met like official you yet, tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact. And also like, this is, I should, I really should know this. What's like your official work name? It's Mariko Clark, right? Oh, good Or do you go straighten? Or do you Mari straighten? I have been going by Mariko Clark, which is my maiden name and also my middle name for years now only because Mariko is sometimes tricky for people to pronounce. It's Japanese. And then my my current last name is Straten, but almost everyone who reads it will say Straten. Uh-huh. And I, I hate to correct people twice. You know, if almost everyone will say Mariko Straten. And I hate to be like, it's actually Mariko and it's Mariko. actually also Straten. <laughs> so Clark yeah. is pretty straightforward. Almost no one messes that up. Okay. A little easier on the memory. So... Yeah. Okay. Um, so we also Mariko have to say Clark. it was on anyone who has a name that gets mispronounced. Yeah. Tell your friends that they're mispronouncing <laughs> it. Because if you guys have been around the show for a long time, you know that Mari and I had been friends for years <laughs> when I introduced her as... Oh, shoot. Now I'm going to do it wrong. You said Mariko. As I said Mariko. everyone does. And you were like... I, I think I talked to you on air. You I'm did. Cool. And it had been like three Not years. Cool. And I yeah. was like... Mari, I will kill you. Not because you're doing this right now, but because you didn't do this years ago. I know. I know. So anyway, you almost never called me that. And then I was like, oh, shoot. Here's oh, a situation where she does call me that. Uh-huh. I should let her know. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I'm Mari Mari Clark. Longtime friend of the show. Longtime friend of Steph. <laughs> um, we met in Nashville when I was living there. I am a writer. Um, I just got my first book deal last year. It was a very exciting um, for a book that we had launched on Kickstarter. It's a story Bible for kids. Um, and then it went really well. One thing led to another. And now um, I'm working towards my deadline for an, like an actual publisher, which feels crazy. So um, that feels really exciting. I have three kids. So I have a mom role that I switch back and forth do the whole working mom thing stuff. You know all about that. Totally. Um, I have a husband. I live with my in-laws. We do sort of like the multi-generational house thing, which has been a very cool and fun experiment. And I live in Indianapolis now. That's the bigger update, I guess. Oh, and fun fact, I need to go get a prop for my fun fact stuff. <laughs> You're like this. <laughs> first time on the show that someone needs to get a prop. This is amazing. Yes. Yes. Hold on. Let me put my headphones on. Okay. Sorry. That was hard on the audio. Because now that you video record, I can show this. Uh huh. I was just telling Steph, for any of our 90s babies in the audience, mm-hmm. you'll remember seeing commercials on TV when you were watching Nick at Night. Maybe not Nick at Night, but for the ab slide. Okay. I was telling Steph, I had one in in high school, my older brother and I saved up our money and sent away the little envelope of cash to buy the the ab slide. Got uh-huh. totally shredded one summer when I was like 14. <laughs> we had a little six pack. 
<laughs> it worked wonders for me. So I just had my third kid, not just, he's two years old. And I was like, you know what? I want to get this, my core back in shape. I know what I need. <laughs> so I went on eBay and I bought an Absla. <laughs> and I was just showing it to stuff before we started recording. So just so everyone knows, that's an option. <laughs> Abslide. There, there was many of them on eBay. I don't know why people aren't snatching this up. <laughs> but that's my fun fact. I have an Abslide and they do it in my office when I take breaks from writing. <laughs> I, I can't... I just, every, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. It's so amazing. Oh man, I'm so glad you guys get to hear from Mari again today. Um, okay. All right, Mari, I have a lot of questions for you. And I really want to talk about moving today Let's because you and I, you know, for, for the girls who have been listening to the show for a while, you and I both moved to Nashville around the same time. Mm-hmm. And you and I both were like, um, we don't like small talk. We mm-hmm. don't want to make new friends. This is hard. This is uncomfortable. No, mm-hmm. thank you. And we had a mutual friend set us up. It was like love at first sight. That is, totally. I mean, we were at coffee for a million years, but like neither of us wanted to go. And so we've told that story before about how our friendship unfolded, you know, what it was like for us to both move to Nashville. I feel like you had an easier time than I did. I was like unsure about the whole thing for a while. I just resisted making a new home for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and so we've we've kind of talked about that before, but not enough. Um, and then you also just made a really big new move. Yes. Um, and so I just want to, I just want to talk about that because you've done a really good job over the years. And then you're also currently in the process of doing this again, of moving to a new place and making a new home. And so yeah. um, I just want to, I want to hear about it. So I, I want to yeah. first ask, you moved from Boston to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yep. What made you, like, why did you do that? How did you figure out that that was a good next move for you? And and how how did the process of making a new home go? Yeah, so when we moved to Boston, it was one of those, Drew, that's my husband and I, we always joke that like God moves us through life, through our humor. We'll realize there's something that we've been joking about for a while. Like, oh, wouldn't it be so funny if blank? And then it's almost like we have to joke about it before we feel brave enough to explore it seriously. Um, So we had been joking for a little while. Like, oh, wouldn't it be so funny if our jobs let us work remotely? Oh, wouldn't that be so funny if we could just live wherever we wanted? Oh, yeah, that's so funny. Let's make a list of all the cities where we would want to live. Okay, cool. That's hilarious. Let's talk about let's talk more seriously about where we'd want to go. Okay, let's plan a little exploratory trip to Nashville. Oh, that's hilarious. And just through all of these little like tricking ourselves into baby steps, um, sort of narrowed it down to a couple of cities. And Drew had family at the time living in Nashville. Two of his brothers at the time were at college um, at Belmont in Nashville, um, and we that felt safe. It felt good to have family we had wanted somewhere new. It didn't feel like completely out of the blue to try Nashville. I had wanted to live somewhere warmer. I had been doing the Boston winters my entire life. I don't like cold weather. So uh, (laughs) ended up in one of those things where like every little baby step we took and every sort of like exploratory tendril we would send out just came back like we, I, I say that like we didn't even walk through doors or knock on them. Like God just drop kicked us through them. And we were like, oh, now we're here. Like, you know, we like found a neighborhood that we thought would be cool to live in. And then all of a sudden we have a house. It just was like one of those things that felt undeniable and very easy as far as logistics go. Because moves can be incredibly complex and stressful. And I feel like everyone I know who has moved anywhere has this like really dramatic story about how it almost didn't work out and then it did and we just didn't have that experience um so that's how we ended up in Nashville was kind of like started as a joke and then um made our way there and it ended up being incredibly life-giving and healing we went through some pretty intense transitions while we were there um just like with family and with faith and all the big topics. And for us specifically, being in a brand new place to explore big decisions was really liberating and healing. 
I feel like I have some people pleasing tendencies and I probably, if we had not been in a brand new space with new people would have leaned into what I thought would make other people happy. But instead I was like, well, I'll just do whatever I want or I'll do, you know, I'll do whatever Drew and I decide is a good decision or I'll, you know, lean into my intuition instead of, you know, trying to please all these people around me. And that was, ended up being a really fortifying and, um, clarifying position to be in for us. I love that. I really, moving to Nashville for me was so complicated Mm -hmm. because I just, um, I just wanted to move home. Like I'm from Colorado and I wanted to end up back there and I ended up living not in Colorado. Like I, like I agreed six months. I was like, I'll move to Georgia for this job. I'll be there for six months and then I'm going to go home. Or if I don't go home, I'm going to go to the beach somewhere. And like those yeah. were my options. And then I met Carl and one thing led to another. And then all of a sudden we're like living in Georgia. And I, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm in love. We're getting married. I really, we really like our jobs. We'll stay here. But then we lost our jobs. And so we were trying to figure out, you know, where we were going to replant ourselves. And we tried to move to Colorado. We applied for all kinds of jobs and heard like truly crickets, like didn't even mm-hmm. get an email back. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, finally doors opened in Nashville. And so we we moved here and Nashville is an amazing place, like mm-hmm. really amazing. Yeah. It's an awesome place to live. Everybody loves it. And it's because it's super lovable. Like it's yes. it's as amazing as everybody says. Agree. And, but I didn't want to be here because this isn't where my closest people were. And I just was really resistant to m- making new closest people because mm-hmm. I think I felt like, I was letting go of the people I already loved by loving new people or letting go of a place that I really loved by loving a new place. And that's not true. You can love two places or more places. You can love lots of people all at once. And that's kind of what I feel like God's been teaching me since I've lived here. And once I started to embrace that, it made living here so much easier. But there was a really long time where I was like, this is technically my new home, but like, I will not be at home here. (laughs) And so that made the process like way harder for me. And that's something like, I just would do things really differently moving forward. If we were to ever move again, I would like do everything I could to make it home as fast as possible, like to embrace it as fast as possible, because I know that that's like the path to feeling at home. And I feel like that's what you did. Like you guys came here and, and like really cozied in. What did that What did that look like? What were some of the things that you guys did to make Nashville feel like home? Yeah, I think that one thing, I, I feel like I've maybe talked a little bit about it here on the podcast, you know, at some point over the years. One thing I think that I did was I challenged myself when we moved to Nashville to just say yes to things. That is not my typical stance. I like, I love to say no to things. That is my favorite thing to do. But I had thought like, you know, if I protect my energy so much that I, if I want to stay in my safety, I'll never make this a home. Yeah. Like you're saying, if I'm so set on not putting myself out there, then it's, I'm making it harder on myself. So I had sort of challenged myself knowing how I can be. I'm just going to say yes to things. So whether it was, you know, yes to trying at a new church, yes to even just like I had a, a Ada, my daughter was like one and a half at the time. And the way I am, it's like, before I go to a new place, I want to, even if it's like to a new coffee shop, I'm going to do my research. I'm going to find out where I can park. I'm going to find out like what door to go through. And I'm going to look at the menu. I just like to do a lot of prep ahead of time. And I was like, I can't do that with absolutely every decision in Nashville. I'll just, I'll get overwhelmed and I'll say no. So I was just saying yes to things, whether it was like, I'm going to walk to that coffee shop we drove by earlier. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like do too much work ahead of time. I'm just going to do it. And one of the things I said yes to was coffee with this strange person named Stephanie, (laughs) a super rando I connected me with. And it ended up being wonderful. And I feel like you were one of my very first friends in Nashville. And I feel like our first date, as we like to call it, that going so well actually gave me the confidence to continue to say yes to things. I think if I had said yes to something and it had been like, tragic or even just really boring, I would have it would have taken the wind out of my sails. But instead it was like I had challenged myself to something new. It was incredible. It was this affirmation of that new goal of mine. And yeah, I think that was a really big thing was just saying yes to opportunities, 
even if they felt minute, like, you know, everything, when you're in a new place, it can feel really overwhelming. Like all the grocery stores in Nashville had totally different names from the grocery stores in Massachusetts. It's like, that can feel overwhelming. You know, all of the restaurants, even like the way the streets are laid out in Nashville, that was new for me. Like I had never had an alley behind my house before. They don't Mm -hmm. have those in New England. It's like, it can feel really overwhelming. So I think the challenge of saying yes, just sort of, um, almost gives you this tunnel vision. Cause otherwise there's so much sensory input going on all the time. And it's easy to just kind of shut down and be like, Nope, it's too much. I'm just going to stick with what's familiar, but almost like giving yourself that singular task of saying yes to what comes up. Mm-hmm. It, it almost like helps you focus because otherwise it's, it's too much. I love that. I love that. Something that I've been practicing that like, that, and these are all things where I'm like, I, some of these I did right. Some of these I didn't, I, some of these I would like, all this I would do. This is how I'd do it if we did it again. Like going places twice. Mm-hmm. So it's like the first time you go to a new grocery store, it's super weird. Like the parking thing really gets me. And like, I remember yeah. being at that coffee shop with you and I'd never been to that one before. And so I like didn't know which part of the counter to stand out to order. And like, I didn't know if like, once you order your food, if they like bring it to you or if you wait or like, mm-hmm. and I just felt so uncomfortable. And like, everyone was just staring at me, which no one yeah. was. Like yeah. everyone's focused on their own thing. Um, but I just felt so uncomfortable, but it's like making myself go again because then the next time I'll know where to order the next mm-hmm. time. And so then that becomes a familiar place. It went from being a strange place the first time to the second time I go, now it's a familiar place. And now it's a place that's like under my belt in my repertoire. You know, I can yeah. choose to go there in the future. And so I just always have to remember that. And then I like that you do some research. I've I need to get better at that faster because, and I know I've shared this on the podcast before, but... I love taking walks. It's like so therapeutic for me. And so everywhere where we've lived, I've been like, that's like my walk spot. Mm-hmm. Well, the first whole year that we lived in Nashville, I didn't like look up where parks were. And so I walked around our apartment building and just did loops like behind the car wash, by the dumpsters, <laughs> oh, behind sad. the car wash, <laughs> by the dumpsters, yeah. like just in a loop for a year, mm-hmm. just walk through the parking lot for a year, which is fine. But when I did some research, I found out that there's like this gorgeous green, green belt kind of walking trail, like a mile and a half away <laughs> that I could have been walking around. <laughs> I just want to like look at a dumpster. Instead <laughs> of a dumpster. So just like That's a little a bit point. of research. And then the first time I walked around that loop, I thought like, is this actually a loop or am I just going to walk and walk and walk and get just further and further and further away from my car? Mm-hmm. Like I went in the middle of the day, I had my phone, I had some money on me, you mm-hmm. know, like it wasn't supposed to rain. And I got to find out it is in fact a loop and I made it back to my car. And then the next time I went, I like knew what to expect. Yes, exactly. Going twice. I feel like that's a really good thing. And then I feel like I was thinking while you were talking, there's the interpersonal aspect that like, I feel like we've talked a lot about logistics, like how, but like the who I think is really important too, that I think so many of us, even as adults, we all have these like little teenagers, like our little, the little middle school version of ourself. I feel like it's really, really loud when you move to a new place. And I feel like it's because a lot of us, the last time that we've had to really put ourselves out there and be like, do you want to be my friend? Was maybe at like a new school or like when you transition from elementary to middle or middle to high school or even like college orientation and you're all just like wandering around hoping that you connect with someone. I feel like it's easy to take that mindset as an adult in a new city and to assume that we're all going to be the teenage versions of ourselves. Um, and let's be honest, like we weren't at our most empathetic or compassionate at least I wasn't as a teenager, but as an adult, like I have seen enough and I've done enough new, really hard things, especially socially, that I I feel like I have so much more empathy in those situations. So it's like, you know, if you're in middle school and a super rando came up to you and was like, hey, would you ever want to go for coffee? You would probably like be judgmental. (laughs) Like I would have been judgmental. (laughs) Like, oh my God, who's this weirdo? But adult me is like, wow, that is so brave. I love that that person approached me. Like that's so hard to approach someone and ask. Um, and even if it's a no from me and like you're allowed to say no, I'm able to, to, to take that stance of compassion towards them and to recognize that most of the other adults in the world, in the city of Nashville, are also not the middle school versions of themselves and are also, I feel like we're also worried about the other person is gonna think. But like so many of us have done that so many times 
that it's like, I think it's really important to remember it's a bunch of 20 to 30 year olds walking around and probably trying to make friends themselves. And even if they don't want to be your person, they're going to be compassionate towards you looking for your person. Um, So I think that that's so important to keep in mind that it's, everyone's kind of doing the same thing. And you're not in middle school anymore. And we're not, no one's, no one's judging you. No one's thinking about you. Yeah. Even like, I feel like when you were talking about the coffee shop and how it's laid out, I feel like in new places, at least for me, yeah, like that nervous little seventh grader comes out and I'm like, well, if I stand in the wrong place, people are going to think it's weird. And it's like, no, literally no one is thinking about me at any given moment. People are caught up in their own stuff. Or if they do notice, I feel like for the most part, people have compassion and are like, oh, she doesn't know where to stand. They're going to be like, hey, go over there. You know, like, I think that that um, is helpful for me to put myself in that mindset. Now that I've done it again too, I'm like, for the most part, um, you know, people are approaching me with tenderness and not with judgment. I like, that is so life-changing. That that perspective, I just, because you're exactly right. Like we are just, it's like we just zoom back to being these small nervous versions of ourselves because you're right. That's like probably the last time that we really did this or it was such a jarring scarring experience to be the <laughs> yeah, new kid exactly. that it's like even if you've been the new kid a couple times since and it like has gone fine you still like I still feel like I'm you know a freshman in high school again yeah. and I'm like walking yeah. and I have my lunch tray and like mm-hmm. uh, desperately I just want to sit in the bathroom so I don't have to figure out where yes. to like you know put my tray but you're right that like we're I'm not middle school or high school version like me anymore because mm-hmm. thank god she like wasn't that kind sometimes. Yeah. And then other times she just was a puddle and trying to figure out where to put her lunch tray. So exactly. I was both. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm not that version anymore and neither are other people. And occasionally, maybe you do run into someone who like has not grown out of that. Okay, well then that's a very clear sign that that's not your person. Exactly. You know, if, you, if someone like, them. yeah. Yeah, and that's about them. Like if someone like, you know, God forbid, does laugh at you because you don't know where to stand at the coffee shop. Like mm-hmm. you can very clearly know that that person has some stuff to work out in themselves and that they are not your person. Yeah. So, yeah. but the vast majority of people are going to be like, oh, hey, the counter's over there. And yeah. you'll go, oh, I've never been here before. And they'll go, oh, are you new? And you go, yeah, I am, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And like, then all of a sudden you're talking to someone who's kind. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And I feel like that's important to remember because, you know, we can tell people all day, put yourself out there, do this, do that. It's like, if you don't, it's the the how of that that can get really difficult. Like, well, how do I put myself out there? I don't feel brave enough. And it's like, neither does anyone. Neither (laughs) does anyone. Yeah. My, um, I was just talking about this this weekend because this weekend I was at a conference and any situation where you have to go in and you know that like you're basically networking, you're mm-hmm. meeting a bunch of people you don't know, you're trying to remember a bunch of names, you're trying to work up the courage to go say hi to people that you like, yeah, I've never met before. The whole thing is like just nerve wracking. And so I was thinking a lot about my dad because I feel like something that my dad really imparted to me growing up was that like you just don't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like that if you walk away with from any situation with your pride and your cards still held tightly to your chest that like you're just really not walking away with much mm-hmm. because because it's either you get to walk away like having saved face or with your pride or whatever or you get to walk away knowing that you did the very best to make this relationship work out or yeah. to know that you put your very best self out there and there's nothing more you could have done and you have that peace or mm-hmm. you walk away with a new friend or you walk, in, you walk away knowing that he likes you back or you walk mm-hmm. away having gotten a new job or something, but it's just, your pride just really isn't worth very much. Yeah. And so walking away doesn't keep you safe. It keeps you from really good things. And so I, I just thought about that a lot. So there were so many times this weekend where I just like said hi to someone that I had never met before or like I knew who they were, but I hadn't, you know, hadn't met them. And so I walked up and stuck out my hand. I was like, hi, I'm Stephanie. And sometimes it was great. And sometimes it was super awkward. And like, <laughs> But it was fine. You know, like I really yeah. didn't, I didn't lose anything and I actually gained so much. And, but I just remember so many times growing up, like I would see someone that I would kind of know, but not know, or like someone, you know, we were at, this is so random. We were at Red Robin one time and there was a 
Olympic swimmer there. And she was just at another table. And like, you know, my dad recognized her and and he was like, it'd be cool to get her autograph, wouldn't it? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, go ask her. And I'm like, uh-uh, no way. And he just is like, Steph, like you really don't have anything to lose in this moment. Mm. Just go say hi. And so I did. And I was so glad I did. And there just has never been a time that I'm upset that I said hi. Mm-hmm. There are a million times where I'm upset that I didn't. That's um, so true. That's really good right? advice. That's wise. Yeah. It's like, you're always going to beat yourself up for the opposite of what you might initially think. Yeah. Yeah. And, but really like everyone is nervous. Yeah. Everyone is nervous. I just yeah. don't know. Like, it's just something that everybody feels and that we just have to push through. And we don't get to wait until that nervousness goes away because I just don't know that it does. And if yeah. it does go away, it goes away because we've practiced enough times. And That's so it's true. like only through doing it nervous, doing it scared mm-hmm. that you ever get to a time where you can do it not scared. Yeah, But it's it not is. something you just like wait for. Oh, 100%. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. 
Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Mari, I want to ask you, so you just moved again and I would love to, you know, well, first of all, when you told me you were moving, I cried, just, just cried because I think, you know, it's right in the middle uh, of a restaurant. I was like, what? I should have done this privately. Totally didn't care. I didn't care. I mostly just was like, please don't move. (laughs) Um, But I do want to hear, you know, as you were telling me kind of the different things that you guys talked through, the pros and cons, Mm -hmm. it makes it like, even though like personally, I was on the please don't move vote. That was my vote for you. (laughs) Um, I, you know, as you told me all the different things that you guys talked through and the things you weighed, I was like, this is really what's right for you. And I've thought about that ever, just ever since that there are all Mm -hmm. these different kind of things that push you forward and pull you away from different decisions. And I want to hear the process of that, because I think that hearing that will be really helpful for women listening, kind of no matter what they're trying to figure out right now. Yeah, I think it's, um, it was interesting to reflect on the two moves. I think that it depends on the season of your life that you're in. There are seasons of, I've moved a lot. Drew and I have moved a lot together, not to new cities, like moved around a lot in the Boston area and then to Nashville. But there was a huge season of our life where we were making our decisions on present or like very close future Drew and Mari, like what they needed, what they wanted. And, you know, your your 20s are a great season for that, or at least mine words. Like I was making decisions for present day me or for, you know, me one year from now. And that served us really, really well for our season. Drew and I are in a, we're moving into a new season of our life. We've got three kids. Our oldest is eight. My, my career is developing. You know, his career is fairly established. And the decisions that we're making now, necessarily, because our kids are getting older, we're making decisions for future Drew and future Mari, like five, six, seven years down the line. And that can be a lot more complicated um, because some of it you're, you're guessing. And it's, it's finding that tough balance between you don't want to make decisions out of fear, but you also have to sort of, you know, predict a little bit or guess a little bit and, and move against that in your decision-making. So we had, we were considering a lot of different things, like the schools we wanted our kids to go to, the type of childcare that we wanted for them, the family that we wanted involved in their life, the, the house that we had in Nashville, we loved so much. It was such a sweet house. Um, but we were really, really rapidly outgrowing it. And we had done lockdown. We had done two years of COVID in that house doing, um, you know, at-home learning with our daughter. Um, so she needed to be on her like online kindergarten. We both had our computers, like we're all out there on our separate computers, just trying to make it work, trying to be quiet. Um, and we were just pretty rapidly outgrowing the house that we were in. So we're like, okay, we need, either need to go drop $10,000 at Ikea <laughs> organizing this house and turning so many places that are not storage into storage. Or we need to consider the fact that like we might be ready for a different house. Okay, well, if we're ready for a different house, now we have, now the door's open to that house being somewhere else. Do we want it to be in a different neighborhood? Do we want it to be in a different city? Or do we want it to be in a different state? Um, so then it sort of opened the doors, you know, the decisions kind of branch off of each other. And it wasn't just like, well, where do we want to be next year? It was kind of like, okay, well, you know, in three years, Ada will be in middle school. What do we think about the middle schools? Where would we want her to go to middle school? Okay, you know, at some point, our kids are all going to be in school and childcare will look different. What do we want from that? Um, you know, we have grandparents in the picture. How do, how involved do we want them to be and how, in what ways do we want them to be involved? So there was a lot of factors at play and a lot of the future factors that we kind of just had to... And then there's also the whole financial aspect of the market at the time. Nashville 
our house was worth probably more than it ever would be ever again. And, you know, we were hearing a lot of talk about a recession coming up. So it was kind of like, okay, well, if we want to sell now, when might be the best time to sell our house? So there was just a lot of factors at play and it was probably the most complex decision we've had to make as far as moving before. It was just kind of like, you know, it would be funny, you know, it'd be cool. (laughs) And this one was like, okay, this feels like a much, like a decision that we'll have to live with for a, a much longer time. And it's not just about what is funny and cool to Drew and I anymore. Like there are three small people whose, you know, futures depend on the decisions that we're going to make. So that was, that was hard. And there was a time limit on it. We wanted to move before school started so that Ada didn't have to be the new kid because uh, we know how hard that is. Um, we didn't want her to be the new kid in the middle of the year. So it, it, it was tricky and complex um, and a lot of, a lot of factors at play. Um, and it just was the same sort of thing that there were certain doors that we approached with open hands that were kind of like, okay, here's what we're thinking. Like, let's see what God does. And we just kind of got, again, got drop kicked through and we're like, okay, I guess we're I guess we're on the right track. I mean, it just sometimes feels like a guessing game where you just get the the smallest, the smallest encouragements along the way and you just have to keep moving. Um, mm-hmm. So that, I mean, making, making a decision and making a move as a 35-year-old was a very, very different story from making a move as a 29-year-old, not even in just the, the decision factors, but even in like reestablishing ourselves here has been like a wildly different journey than reestablishing ourselves in Nashville. What is, uh, okay, I have, I have so many follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. What, um, how did you guys pick Indy and how did you, how did you guys pick your house? So we chose Indy because again, Drew had family. So he had family kind of in like the Nashville, Kentucky, Indiana, like that 65 strip of states. Um, And we, his parents at the time in Nashville were living right across the street from us, which was incredible. So we kind of had this community and it was perfect, especially during COVID. We kind of had our little bubble. Um, Drew's mom helps us a lot with childcare, which is incredible. And they've just become such an integrated part of our everyday life. And they were talking about moving to Indy. Drew's dad had been offered a job there. So it kind of put the seed in our mind like, okay, well, if he gets this job, would we go with them? And so a big factor was Drew's parents. Um, Another factor was we had done the city living thing and absolutely loved every second of it. Like you said, Nashville is a wonderful place. People love it because it's very lovable. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had had um, a family vacation during like the summer after all the COVID stuff and Drew and Ada specifically, we were at a lake house and we just saw such a shift in both of their mental health being out in nature more. Um, And Drew had been saying for years, like, oh, I just love, I just love trees. Trees give me life, that kind of thing. (laughs) We kind of joke about that. And you know this, he would walk through our alleyway in Nashville because we had a lot of actually old trees in our neighborhood over the alley. And we're just kind of like making do with city nature. You know, you go to the Uh park or like you sit next to your bushes on your front steps, but like (laughs) it's a little bit different. And Drew's like, I don't know. Like weirdly, I never thought I'd say this. We thought we were city people through and through. He's like, I kind of want to like live on a chunk of land where like I can't see into my neighbor's window. And we're like, what? (laughs) Cause you know, that was our reality for so long. And we loved it. We were close friends with all of our neighbors. We loved everything about it. Um, And so once I'm we looking started, into my neighbor's window as we're sitting yeah, here, and I it, like that's him. just yeah. part of it, and it's 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 wonderful. But he had started realizing, you know, for his mental health, um, for Ada's mental health, we're like, okay, maybe we need a little bit more nature in our lives. So okay, if we're going to do that, we're not going to do city anymore. Does that mean we're going to move to the Nashville suburbs? Maybe does it? Are there other suburbs we would continue and we were kind of, or that we would consider? And we were kind of back to what we had done in Boston. We made a list of the suburbs that we would consider. And Indy just made a lot of sense. Drew has family here. His parents were considering moving back. We had friends here that we hadn't seen in a while. Um, Drew grew up here. He went to middle school and high school here and just loved it. I mean, the Midwest is such a special place. Um, and so 
I mean, Andy just won, won the contest, I guess. And we kind of had said like, all right, well, let's just explore some places. So we, we had a realtor up here and she would send us stuff every once in a while. We tried to buy a couple of houses and it just like didn't even get past the initial, okay, we think that one's cool. And it just wouldn't work out. And so for a while there, we were like, all right, maybe this isn't the thing. And we were really able to have such open, I felt really grateful that you know, I have friends who have had to move, like, you know, they got a job and it's like new city for me. I have to find a place to live. I did feel very fortunate that there was no urgency on our end, really. Like, all right, if it doesn't work out, we'll continue to live in our house that we love with our friends that we love and our neighborhood that we love. Like it's a win-win. And so we had set, but we were like, you know, we're not going to do this for a year. You know, house hunting is stressful, you know that. So we had said, okay, if by the 4th of July, we haven't found a house, we're just going to stop. Because I had a deadline for my book. Ada had to start school. We were like, okay, that's it. And on the 4th of July, we, no, on the 3rd of July, we looked at this house that I we're currently in and spoiler alert, we got it. <laughs> um, on the 5th of July, we got the call that an offer had been accepted and we were able to you know, bring our kids here and show them. It was very sweet. So we're like two minutes away from some of our kids' best friends, which was really wonderful. Um, I feel like there are people who follow the podcast that are aware of like the Ada Calvin saga. <laughs> Ada now lives two minutes away from Calvin and that's just like her favorite thing. So this that's house cool. was kind of just like, again, one of those things that just like, we were drop kicked through the door. We were like, cool. I, I wasn't sold on this house right away. I'm not very good at visualizing things. Um, the person who owned it before us had painted every room black, which was tough for me to move past visually. <laughs> but yes. Drew is really good at that and had said like, honestly, I feel like a coat of paint, you would love this house. And I just couldn't see it. Um, the first thing we did was paint it. And he's right. I really love it now. Um, so that was kind of like our, I don't know, the dominoes that had to fumble in order for us to end up here. Yeah. Um, and then you guys are living, as you said, like multi-generationally. Mm-hmm. And so you're living yeah. with your... And how did that Oh, yeah. how did that happen? So they had been across the street, like I said, in Nashville. They had bought a house and, you know, moved in truly to help us, which was wonderful. And we just had the best time and just ended up... Some of it during COVID through forced... You know, we were forced to be in kind of like a little bubble together. But, we, you know, we found rhythms together. Um my mother-in-law is awesome and she and I have a pretty similar way of doing things, I think. So that helps. I know this, the multi-generational thing is not for everyone, but um, like she does our laundry and, you know, I make her breakfast and um, we just kind of had found a rhythm. So then when we had thought about moving, you know, they were already on board with moving because they had considered it for Drew's dad's job. And at one point there was... <laughs> We considered buying a farm at one point. There was this big farm that we're like, it was out of our budget. And so we're like, let's ask them if they want to move to this farm with us. Because there was a bunch of different buildings. And we're like, we'll just, we'll renovate one of the barns and they can live there. And we thought it was this really cool idea. And I'm so glad it didn't work out. Because now I'm like, why? Well, I didn't want to live on a farm. What was I thinking? I'm not a farmer. <laughs> we just got caught up. I don't know what we were thinking. I thought I would be like a Joanna Gaines. I was like, I'll have a few chickens in my flower garden. That's not my vibe. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) But anyways, they were like, sure, we would consider that. And then we sort of just fell into this pace of looking at places that could possibly work for both of us at the same time, looking at our own individual places. And this place came up and had space for all of us. And, you know, it's got this little creek and like a good chunk of land and it has been amazing. So um, it just worked out. It just, I don't know, there's no magic to it. It just happened to, I mean, a lot of communication, I guess, a lot of constant communication about would this be okay? Um, And I would say that's the strength. My mother-in-law is very direct communicator. So that was really helpful that it's like, okay, if we're going to live together, like, here's what's good. Here's what we need. Okay. What do you need? Um, Not only, you know, space-wise, but even like, okay, here's what we need. Here's when we have quiet time. Here's where we don't want to be interrupted. Here's the boundary we have around dishes, kind of stuff like that. Um, I mean, you're taking on roommates. It's like any roommate situation. Um, so that, that's how that worked out. Yeah. I, I love this. And I, you know, I, the other thing that, 
you know, I know that you guys really weighed is like in your childcare is such a big thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if when you have kids, you have to figure out who's going to take care of them and they need care all the time. And it's just like, I think that that was one of the things that I just didn't, like it crossed my mind, but I just didn't, I didn't really have a plan for it, you know, before we, before we had our girls. And so figuring all of that out. And so like, there's math to be done there too, in terms of like, this is your job. This is Drew's job. This is what you guys want your jobs to continue to move into. Mm -hmm. So therefore, like, what do you need your childcare situation to look like? And, you know, is you can pay for great childcare. It's still really hard to find, Mm -hmm. like no matter how much you can pay for it. It's especially in Nashville, I feel like it's it's really competitive to find, yep. you know, there's just not enough. So if yeah. anyone's looking for jobs, come to Nashville and work in childcare because <laughs> yeah, there's seriously. plenty, plenty of need here. But, but it's just, that's a whole thing to figure out too. And so mm-hmm. like, that's a factor that we all are considering, you know, what does this mean for our, our job? Like, mm-hmm. you know, when we were trying to decide whether we wanted to stay in Nashville or move to Denver, like, so many people, Nashville is such a great place for the kind of work that both Carl and I do. Yeah. And it is possible to do anything remotely, I think, you know, at the, especially at this point. Yeah. Um, but it is really nice that a lot of things happen just down the street from our house. And it's been so good for both of us, both like creatively for our careers, for like, you know, community, finding other people who do similar work to us. Mm-hmm. And Denver would have been different, um, especially 10 years ago, you know, you know, mm-hmm. eight years ago when we were looking at this, it just, it would have been different. And yeah. so that's a factor to consider as well. And, and all of these things like just have different weights. Like you love a city, but the people you love are in a different place. Okay. Mm-hmm. So which one of those kind of weighs more? And yeah. it, 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 you know, this is better for work, but this would be better for community. Can one of those mm-hmm. things be tweaked so that you can, or is there a place that has both? And yeah. um, there just are so many things to consider. But I think hearing you talk through the ways that you guys considered it and the, and the, you know, the results that came out of the equation have been so beautiful and so, you know, such a good fit for you guys and your family and your personalities and stuff. It just, I think that helps as we're doing our own equations in our own lives to just hear someone else talk through theirs. Yeah. And I think it takes a a good measure of self-knowledge too, that I knew that I knew from our previous move that I can maintain friendship long distance. And I know that there are people who would say like, that is not my thing. I am not a fan of the phone or FaceTime or Marco Polo or like all of the many ways you're able to keep in touch with people now, which is great. So I think that's something to consider too. Like you're saying like community, like, is that possible here? Is it possible there? I think you also consider like, okay, how do I best keep in touch with people or how like, um, as you're considering your job, sure, you can work, work remotely, but there are some people who, whose mental health is really going to suffer from being in your house all day long on a computer with no other humans. Whereas mm-hmm. if you live in a certain city and if it has you know a hub for your job or whatever, then you could have an office to go to or... If there's a co-working space that is fairly affordable nearby, or you know what I mean, and the same thing with every every friend I have who has kids is doing the whole uh, childcare. Do I do my own childcare? Do I have someone else do it? Do I hire someone? Do we do daycare? That whole wrestle. Everyone is in that because it's just a season, and it's also like there's so many options now. Before it's like daycare, or no daycare, but it's like. We can do hybrid sort of things now. People's work schedules are more flexible and that just makes it more complex. I think that's also something to consider is like, not only like, what am I capable of doing and what do I prefer, but like, what is my kid capable of? Like you and I were just talking about this. Like I have one kid who would have been like a shoe in for daycare, would have loved it, would have been like, look at all these new friends I can make immediately. Bye mom. And then I have another kid who would, who would hate it, who would have hated every single second of it. Um, and those were things that we had to take into into account as well. And never mind the whole budgeting aspect of it, that like childcare is expensive. And there's some people who have to make the decision between, okay, do I just take everything I've made at my job this week and hand it over to childcare? Or <laughs> do I do the, do I, you know, stay home with the kids and try a side hustle? It's like, there's so many different configurations. And to just look at what someone else has done on paper, I think is helpful but I think I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, but also examine yourself and your your preferences and what you're capable of and take an honest look at your 
your abilities and your preferences. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's become just like this heart song for me is like, Mm -hmm. we all get to do this differently and we should because we're all different. All of our circumstances are different. And so like, I mean, right before we hopped on, I was like, are two-year-olds like big enough to go to school? I mean, I don't know. I've never had two-year-olds before and I've never like... I don't know. I don't remember going to preschool and and mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. And and you're like, well, Noah would have absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Like, see you later, mom. And then Asher would hate it. And yeah. so it it's not about two-year-olds and it's not about school. It's about your two-year-olds in that school mm-hmm. and, you know, with their personality and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. how it all fits. And I just feel like that's something I'm learning over and over and over in all corners of my life is to just really... Taking taking the information that's out there, hear from wise people, mm-hmm. but then also look at where where we are and where we want to go, yeah. and to really take those things into consideration also, because that it's just not one size fits all. Yeah, and it's it it is it's so tricky, but also I think like when we step back and consider what you just said that like everyone's different, it can be like really beautiful and affirming. Like Amy Poehler has this line in one of her books where she's talking about how the whole stay-at-home mom versus like working mom thing, especially I guess in Hollywood can be very contentious. Um, And she just says, good for you, not for me. And I feel like I say that so often in like the whole work-life mom balance with other friends, but also with so many things. Like you're raising kids in the city, good for you. Turns out not for me. Like you, you know, drive a minivan, good for you, not for me. Um, And to see that that is so good for this other person and you're able to like extend so much um, like joy and compassion for their situation, but you also are then giving that same gift to yourself of like, that's not for me, that's so great. Like I'm just different and that's okay. Um, And I think our kids really benefit from us having that attitude too. Like, I feel like we say that to our daughter sometimes like, oh, our family is just different and that's okay. Like, oh, our family does that differently. Um, And that not only I think assures her, but it also is like creating empathy and compassion for her towards other families. We're so like, oh, they're weird. It's like, we just do things differently. They do things differently. Isn't that so cool that we get to learn about other families? Like we made this decision differently. Good for them, not for us. Cool. Love that so much. That's really one of, you know, one of my favorite things about Girls Night is getting to share the things that, you know, the whole point of this podcast in the first place was to get to share the conversations that I'm having with my friends. Yeah. Because my friends are brilliant as everyone's seeing right now and as everyone's gotten to see throughout the years from you, Mari. But like, these are the conversations we've been having so much over the last handful of years. And um, I'm so glad to get to share them because that phrase, like, I mean, you know, you and I were waiting for our sandwiches at our favorite sandwich spot, you know, mm-hmm. as you told me that, um, the good for you, not for me thing. And it just is, it really is true. Every one of our circumstances is different and we're all different and we get to choose what mm-hmm. this looks like for us. And I mean, we have to choose and that's intimidating, but, yeah. um, but we get to, and, and that's, I just like, for some people, intergenerational living, like living with your in-laws, like don't do it for everyone's mental health. Like yes. run away, don't, mm-hmm. don't do it. Mm-hmm. But for some people, like that is so beautiful. Do it. That's yeah. an option for you. And, and like you, everyone will benefit from you guys living together. Like what a beautiful way to live. And also like, so you know, a way that so many people around the world live their lives mm-hmm. just so beautifully. Like that's that's an option, and and we kind of forget that in the U.S. Yeah. Um. But then also for some people, don't do it with your family because it's just not good for anybody. Yes. So it's Agreed. it really depends, mm-hmm. you know. And everything is like that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. For women who are moving to a new place right now, Mar, now that you've done this, you know, as many times as you have, and having the empathy of being in it again Mm -hmm. right now, what are some like just takeaways for them? Like, don't forget this, bring this with you, try this, Mm -hmm. you know, just anything, any like care package, you know, lunch sack for the road that you can send to women. Okay. I think I would say three things. Like, first of all, um, kind of what we talked about earlier, like 
have the perspective that people are being more generous and compassionate to you than you think. Um, and you can be more generous, generous and compassionate to yourself than you think. Um, cause I think that that eases some of the pressure and it makes it easier to just put yourself out there, which is a huge part of moving to a new city, like saying yes to things. The second thing I would say is, I think it's like actually very similar to what you teach in your single life course stuff that like, I think one of the most effective and efficient ways to build community is to build your own rhythms and then invite other people into them. Um, so depending on your season, that might look different. So like I have, um, one of my friends is, is a single, she's in her late twenties and she lives in Nashville and she lives near this really cool bar. And every week on a certain night, she go, they have like a frequent flyer card at this bar or whatever. And it's like, you get a certain amount of drinks, whatever. I don't know. It's like, you get the stamps. And she just has established this rhythm of going to this same place once a week she gets a drink. And so then she, when she makes a new friend, like invites that friend into her rhythm. And is like, I think it's just an easier yes when someone is, instead of saying like, hey, would you ever want to get a drink sometimes? Like that can feel really vague and difficult to commit to. But it also, um, I don't know, it feels like there's more pressure than in if someone is like, I'm already doing this thing. If you want to tag along. I feel like it feels very cozy to be invited into someone's rhythm, but it also, it doesn't feel like if you say no, you're crushing them. They're like, I'm already doing this thing. So it's like, you know, whether it's doing like a trivia night, like if you, if you're young and married and you're looking to meet other couples or if you're like, whatever stage you're in, it's like, oh, every Tuesday we do this trivia night. Would you guys ever want to meet up for that? It's super fun at, you know, X place. Or mm-hmm. I feel like it's been especially helpful, um, a season of new momming, especially when you have really, really young kids, super hands-on. It can be really difficult to make community. And I know that that can be a really lonely season for lots of women. Um, And there is the classic like moms groups and stuff that you can do. And I know a lot of friends who have gotten so much life and so many wonderful experiences through that. But I feel like it can also, like if you're a working mom, that can be more complex. Um, So one thing I think is really helpful and easy is like if you have like your park you go to or if you have your thing, it's so much less pressure to like, say your kids are really enjoying playing with this one kid instead of like, let's set up a play date sometime. That can be really intimidating. And then you're like committing to not only your kid being friends with this kid, but like you and the mom are then in community together, whether you like it or not. It's a way lower pressure ask to say, oh, usually after pickup, we go to this playground right over here. If you guys ever wanted to meet up with us, we're usually playing there for about an hour or so after school pickup. You know what I mean? Or like on Sundays um, after church, we usually grab coffee and then we hang out at such and such a park. You guys ever want to take a walk with us? Or even like, I feel like walks are such a wonderful way to make a new friend. Um, Cause you're not just sitting there staring into each other's eyes, having a moment. It can be really yeah. low stakes and you're moving your body and it just loosens you up in general. So I feel like if you build a rhythm rhythm for your life, build a life that you love and then invite other people into it, that is so, it's, I feel like it's not only this like cozy, wonderful feeling when someone does that for you, but it also is like low stakes for everyone. And bonus, you're building a life that you love. Like you should be doing that anyways. Um, I think that is something I've tried to be more intentional with, with this move. I think because I'm more comfortable with the decisions I've made in life and I feel more established in what I do. And also because my life is very scheduled. I've got three kids. Like there's not a lot of wiggle room to be like, would you ever want to meet up with a coffee at some point? Like I can't do that, but I can say, you know, I drop my daughter off at preschool every Tuesday and Thursday at nine. Like I drive right past that Starbucks. Like, do you want to take a walk through the park or like blah, 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 whatever. Um, yeah. When I pick her up, I always go to this playground. Do you want to meet me there? Um, yeah. I just feel like that, that I said three things and now I can't remember the third thing. So that's number two and three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, um, something that we've, the scheduling friend time is hard. Like, yeah. you know, we, it's like, we're, we're still figuring out how to have like, dates and what we want that mm-hmm. to look like for us, you know, and, you know, getting a child care for that when, but we've been busy all day. And so we kind of just want to do nothing. And, but then the girls, like it's the weekends don't look like they used to because we can't just like sit around and do nothing. 
we have to do something. And so what we've been learning is like that that's a really good time to hang out with friends is like, well, we're all doing something. So let's do something together. Um, and so our thing for the last probably year or so is that every Sunday, uh, Carl makes pancakes. And so we've started to it. just invite friends over for pancakes. And our house is a good kid house now because we've had to totally baby-proof everything. So it's yeah. like, it's indestructible for our kids and other people's kids. Yeah. And we have toys. So it's uh-huh. like, everyone just come over. Carl will make pancakes, bring your kids. Yeah. And we'll just let them play and we'll hang out. And it's become just this like, and we're doing it anyway. So it's yes. like, whether you're there or not, we will be having pancakes on Sunday. Exactly. If you'd like to come. our day. Yeah. Yeah. If you'd like to come, like... And we're not getting anything productive done anyway. You know, it's like, we're not, that's not time we're spending doing anything else. So there might as well be other people here. Um, So it just, I I really like that. I really like that. Yeah. Mar, I love you so much. I love you too. I just am so grateful for, for, um, gosh, a million things. I'm going to, I'll start crying if I talk too much (laughs) about you. Um, But, uh, I just am, I'm I'm so glad that that the women got to hear this from you because you've been so inspiring to me in oh, this area of life you. and so many other ones. Um, I know that you have a lot of things coming up in the next year work wise. Um, that you're I'm I'm going to be obnoxiously I'm going to be talking about your your book once it's available to an ob- obnoxious degree. So everyone just you can just say like see you see you soon tomorrow because. Um, <laughs> that's coming your way. Um, But I love you, friend. Thanks for coming on the show. I love you too. Thanks for having me. It was good to be here again. You guys, isn't Mari amazing? I love her so much. Now, don't forget that if you ever want to find the links for anything we talked about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find links for everything, including links for Mari, so you can pre-order her book here soon. I'm so excited. Listen to her podcast, follow along with all the great stuff she's doing too. Friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask you guys a favor. If you enjoyed this episode or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while, Would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. Friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night. I'll see you next week.